President Biden about to sign his massive infrastructure bill into law, but what will it mean here in Indiana? We're talking with business experts and with political leaders on both sides of the aisle, including Democratic Party Chair Mike Schmoll and GOP Chairman Kyle Hupfer. Plus, we'll ask about Senator Mike Braun now under scrutiny for questions about his campaign contributions. All that and the latest on the state's fight against COVID-19 with our numbers back on the rise. It all starts now on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks so much for joining us. A lot to get to this week, including an Indiana senator facing scrutiny for some campaign finance issues. But we start with the infrastructure bill. President Biden planning to sign it into law on Monday. We're going to look at the Indiana impact. We start with Trevor Shirley with the latest from the nation's capital. The yeas are 228 and the nays are 206. The president is expected to sign the bipartisan infrastructure plan into law when Congress returns to Washington. It passed with support from both Democrats and Republicans. This is the largest investment in roads, bridges and highways since the creation of the interstate highway system. Once signed into law, it authorizes more than a trillion dollars to repair roads and bridges, improve aging water systems, and expand broadband access, among a slew of other things. And it puts us on a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century that we face with China and other large countries. The $1.75 trillion Build Back Better plan, however, is focused just on social programs. That includes universal pre-K, paid family leave, expanded Medicare benefits, and a half billion dollars to fight climate change. No Republicans support it, and even some moderate Democrats haven't given their thumbs up over concerns about costs. The only thing that's bipartisan up there right now is if, if we, Republicans, will raise your taxes, and waste your dollars. But the president remains confident it will pass. Let me be clear. We will pass this in the House and we'll pass it in the Senate. The Build Back Better Act will be a once in a generation investment in our people. Trevor Shirley reporting there. A lot of reaction from our congressional delegation. Congressman Jim Baird said, unfortunately, the bill passed by House Democrats is a little more than a Trojan horse for their partisan wish list of wasteful spending, referring to that human infrastructure bill that he called a socialist spending spree. Congressman Andre Carson said the House's advancement of these two pieces of legislation brings us much closer to enacting the bold reforms needed to keep America strong and prosperous well into the 21st century. All right, so what will the infrastructure bill mean here in Indiana? State House reporter Kristen Eskow takes a closer look. Indiana has uh, about 1,100 bridges that are in need of repair. We have about 5,500 miles of roadway that are kind of an immediate challenge. Brian Gould oversees the Build Indiana Council, which represents about 500 construction companies statewide. He says the $6.6 billion for road construction and more than $400 million for bridges from the bipartisan infrastructure bill will make a big impact. Unquestionably, this will definitely result uh, in new jobs, increased traffic safety, reduced time waiting and congestion. I can't tell you how many weeks, how many years I've attended Infrastructure Week in Washington, D.C., uh, under several administrations and several Congresses. Richard Hedgecock of the trade association Indiana Constructors Incorporated says the legislation also allows projects to get started more quickly. Language is going to expedite the review and permitting process that can sometimes be very onerous and slow down 
uh, the construction of, of projects. The White House says Indiana will receive more than $750 million to improve the state's water system and $100 million for broadband projects. Utility providers say these improvements are greatly needed in some rural areas. People um, that, that um, you know, sometimes live just on the outskirts of these towns that don't have access to, to clean drinking water or, or, or proper wastewater facilities. The conversations on our end went from, I can't do Netflix and, you know, I, I can't stream TV to, I can't work from home. I can't do school from home. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escal. Kristen, thank you. This week I spoke with party leaders on both sides of the aisle. Coming up, we'll hear from GOP Chair Kyle Hupfer, but first my interview with Democratic Party Chair Mike Schmoll. It's a really, really popular package. 61% of Americans support it. I'd also like to say that the Indiana Chamber of Commerce came out uh, endorsing, this, uh, endorsing this bill. Um, and the National Governors Association, headed up by a Republican, uh, the governor of Arkansas, uh, supported this package. So it is a huge win for the president, um, but really it's a big win for uh, Americans and Hoosiers and workers. Um, we're going on tour, as we always do, across the state to talk about it, but broadband internet, roads and bridges, clean and healthy water, um, those are really, really basic investments uh, into our economy, and I think it's really essential right now. This bill, though, does not have the support of Indiana Republicans, Indiana Congressman Larry Bouchon and Congressman Jim Baird, both calling it a, a Trojan horse proposal. Congressman Baird referred to it as a, a socialist spending spree in his words. What, what's your response to that? I think this, this is an old and tired playbook from uh, the Republican side. I think that they're reverting back to their party of against everything status uh, that they did a few years ago um, when they're not in, uh, in power and they're not in control and they're not in charge. And so, you know, the things that I just mentioned, Dan, roads and bridges, we need to fix those. Water, it needs to be clean and healthy for kids and everybody uh, throughout their lives. Uh, broadband internet, 16% of Hoosiers don't have access to the internet. 50% of Hoosiers don't have any competition with their provider. Um, you can say that that's socialism, but that's pretty much just daily life uh, for folks in Indiana and across the country. And I'll add, where does it stop? You know, is funding our military uh, socialism? Is um, helping our first responders, our police and fire units all across the country? Is that socialism? Um, you know, helping our airports, helping with rail, helping with seaports, working on our supply chain issues. Is that all socialism? No, this is uh, investing in the strongest economy uh, the world has ever seen. And it's Democrats who are delivering that. As you mentioned, you've been touring the state, hitting parts of Indiana where Democrats have struggled in the past. We are a year away now from the midterm elections. The president's approval numbers have been lagging. Your party just lost a race in a blue state like Virginia. So how challenging will this next midterm be for your party in a red state like Indiana? Yeah, well, after Virginia, it looked like all the national hot takes were, you know, Democrats need to get out there into the rural areas. Democrats need to go and talk to the people. Um, and I received a lot of calls from, from national folks and journalists saying, you know, wow, what are you doing in Indiana? Um, we're doing that. <laughs> and we've been doing that for months. I came in as chair in March. And in June, we kicked off our first tour out of four to date. We had an American Rescue Plan tour to talk about the benefits of that package. We had an American Jobs Plan tour to talk a lot about what we're talking about here with infrastructure. Uh, we had a redistricting tour to talk about how Republicans are controlling the lines and, and doing the districts all across our state. 
Um, and now we're in a small town Indiana tour and we're gonna hit 14 smaller towns across the Hoosier State to talk about these issues. All right, coming up next on this week's edition of In Focus, we'll hear what Schmoll and GOP Chair Kyle Hupfer are saying about Senator Mike Braun and the scrutiny he's facing over his campaign contributions. And hear what the governor's saying this week about the state's fight against COVID-19 with our numbers back on the rise again. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Big news this week involving one of our U.S. senators, Mike Braun. An audit from the Federal Election Commission is raising questions about potential campaign finance violations. Braun's team blames its former treasurer, who they claim they haven't been able to get in touch with. Kristen Eskow has a breakdown of the findings and the response from the Braun campaign. The 57-page report from the Federal Election Commission alleges more than $8.5 million in, quote, apparent prohibited loans and lines of credit were given to Mike Braun's Senate campaign. That includes two checks totaling $1.5 million from Meyer Distributing, the company Braun founded and ran before serving in the Senate. Legal and political experts say that allegation could particularly be problematic. Corporations cannot give money uh, to political candidates. That, that's something that's been in law books for, for quite a while now. Because the reason that law exists is so that politicians aren't necessarily in the pockets, so to speak, of big business. Braun's campaign says it can prove that contribution and its other loans were legal. His team declined our request for an interview. The chief of staff sent us a statement that reads in part, quote, it is clear that the final version of the FEC's audit report will conclude that all the loans fully complied with the law. Sometimes these FEC audits require time to work themselves out. That has been the case here, and we're not the least bit concerned about how the process will end. The audit also alleges numerous inaccuracies in financial reports, including overstating receipts and disbursements by more than $6 million each. It also accuses the campaign of improperly reporting hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations. Meanwhile, Indiana Democrats accuse Braun of stealing his 2018 Senate win. I have been very, very strong in calling for uh, every level, every jurisdiction uh, to keep an eye on this issue um, because it does look like he cut corners. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escal. All right, let's bring in Republican State Chairman Kyle Hupfer now. A, a lot to talk about this week. Thanks so much for joining us, starting, though, with this news on on Senator Braun. Did the senator's team violate campaign finance laws in your view? Listen, I'm not a federal campaign law expert, so I'll let the FEC sort through that. But from everything I've seen, um, I mean, the, the donations were either from him or his own corporation um, in a way that, that appears to be perfectly legal. I mean, I, I take the word of Josh Kelly pretty strongly that some of the reporting is based off of preliminary audit. Um, lots of additional documentation has been put forth. Um, we'll see where that goes, but I, I've seen nothing that, that is uh, overly troublesome here. Um, but the FEC will sort that out and, and they'll give us a report. We'll see how all of that does shake out. Here's more of what your counterpart across the aisle had to say about this situation in our interview Thursday. I'll get your reaction afterwards. We're talking about millions of dollars, potentially from Mike Braun's own businesses. Um, that he loaned to himself and paid back to himself. And the FEC is going to figure all of this out. But we're talking about potentially millions of dollars that very likely changed the outcome of the race in 2018. And so we're going to hold Republicans accountable like we do every day. Are you at all concerned uh, using the term uh, stolen Senate seat, given uh, all of the back and forth in recent years about election integrity and Democrats being critical of Republicans for calling the presidential election stolen 
that some of that language might be perceived as hyperbolic by some in this divided time we're living in right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that Republicans have used that language to talk a lot about how people vote. We had a election in 2020 that was valid, uh, that was open, that was fair. Um, and I think that that's a little bit different than how you operate your campaign and communicate with voters with money, with donations, um, particularly if there are any ties to personal finances or business finances. Um, you know, federal election uh, rules and compliance are very, very clear, very, very strict, and there's heavy uh, reporting. And so I think, it's, I think it's a little different. Okay, what's your response to that, Kyle? You know, well, first of all, there was no election that was stolen. Um, they've, the campaign finance reports clearly showed that, that Mike Braun was self-funding his campaign. I don't know all the technicalities of FEC reporting there. They are uh, immense. Sounds like regardless of what happened here, the Braun campaign was acting in good faith and reporting uh, how these loans and contributions were structured. So um, I, I don't know what the FEC will come out with, but, but certainly there was there was transparency that these dollars coming into that campaign were from Mike Braun himself. OK, I, I, uh, I know we'll hear more about that in the weeks to come as it all gets sorted out. I also want to get your reaction to what uh, Chairman Schmall had to say about the infrastructure bill and the approaching midterms. He said, in his words, the GOP is reverting back to being the party of no. Are you concerned at all about that becoming the perception some people might have of your party? Well, if right now the, it is that we're the party of no to what Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are trying to do in Washington, D.C., then I think that's a great uh, campaign to run on. Um, the American people are, are not in line with, with what's coming out of Washington. They see that the Biden administration is just flat-footed on everything from COVID response to attempting to mandate vaccines to um, you know, this increasingly rising inflation, record rates of, of rising inflation, which we know are just attacks on uh, the lowest incomes amongst us. So um, it, it, uh, we just saw Virginia wholeheartedly respond to a no to D.C. Uh, campaign. And if things don't change between now and next November, that'll be a that'll be a strong message. After that Virginia election, National House Republicans added to their list of congressional districts they want to flip next year. Now they're targeting Indiana's first district in the approaching midterms as well. Is that a race your party can win? I mean, listen, it just depends on how big the wave is. Um, we certainly are, are uh, investing some time and dollars up there uh, early, kind of getting a lay of the land. Um, it's not someplace that we've played in recently. It uh, seems like national Republicans are going to play there. So we'll work hand in hand with them um, to to scope it out. And we'll see if it if it's one that comes to the table. But if, if that if the Indiana first is in play, it's going to be a great, great day for Republicans across the country. Well, we'll see how everything plays out next year. Of course, got the big Senate race here in Indiana next year as well. Chairman Kyle Hupford, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, a group of protesters gathered at the State House this week. They say they're against their vaccination status being a condition of their employment. A lot of businesses still in limbo about whether or not they'll have to enforce that vaccine or testing mandate starting in January as things get sorted out in the courts. This week, Governor Holcomb told us if the mandate does become federal law, he won't stop OSHA officials here in Indiana from enforcing it. The unintended consequences that are going to come from this 
if it goes into effect um, for our economy, for the very businesses that are providing our livelihoods, it, it couldn't come at a worse time. We'll abide by the law, um, but we're, I hope, weeks and months away from anything going into effect, if it ever does at all. A lot of action. The court still to be sorted out there. Coming up, we'll talk with our panel. You, Indy Professor Dr. Laura Wilson, will be with us, as well as IndyPolitics.org's Abdul Hakim Shabazz and Portonville's Adam Wren. Stick around. We're back to discuss this week's top stories next. All right, let's bring in our panel now. Laura Wilson, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, Adam Wren. Adam, we heard from Laura and Abdul earlier about Senator Braun. What do you make of this situation? and the scrutiny he's now facing. Yeah, Dan, this is fairly grave. Uh, the concerns here are, are very serious. And, um, you know, it's possible, though, that given the partisan makeup of the FEC uh, commissioners, uh, you've got three Republicans and three Democrats, it's possible they punt on this. Uh, but I think his, his most serious concern is that, you know, Zach Myers um, could investigate this uh, in the Southern District of, of Indiana. And uh, you could potentially have, you know, Todd Rokita, who is one of Braun's former political opponents, uh, open a statewide investigation. So uh, this is this is quite serious, I think. And as much as bronze people are downplaying it, Indiana Democrats really see this as, as a grave issue. Abdul, do you think there are significant legal repercussions here potentially or, or just political backlash? Uh, potentially, I think there are, there are always uh, political uh, legal repercussions, but a couple of things I think we need to keep in mind is if one on, on the line of credit part of this story, uh, Mike Brown has apparently had that since 2010, and this audit report is actually a couple, year, a couple months old, so we need to keep that in mind, and it's just a draft. So I think the final report will really be outcome determinative as to what happens and what's the legal future of Mr. Braun. Laura, do you think this is something uh, voters care about much? Should they? I think they could care about it, but the reality is it, it's going to be many years until he's up for re-election. Of course, uh, it was not even this upcoming November. It might be different if it was Todd Young or if Mike Braun was up in November. Um, generally, voters have really short-term memories. Now, I do imagine, given how serious this could be, and depending on the outcome, that for some folks, this will stick in their memory, regardless of how many years we have until he is up for re-election. But for most, I don't think it's going to be that that main sticking point that, that it is, even despite how serious, of course, these allegations are. And of course, entirely possible, as has been speculated, that he may end up running for another office instead in 2024, instead of running for re-election, perhaps for governor. Let's talk about this infrastructure bill. President Biden signing it into law Monday. The administration, no doubt, hoping to also get some sort of a boost in those sagging approval numbers. Adam, how important was this moment for the White House? And what about the role the transportation secretary played in this whole process? Yeah, Dan, this is a significant win for the White House. It's an, a reaffirmation of uh, Biden's hypothesis that he can get big bipartisan bills done. You saw 13 House Republicans vote for this bill. Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the, of the Senate, uh, you know, back this bill's passage. And it's a sign that our democracy still works and can get big things done. Uh, you know, for Pete Buttigieg, this is the biggest win of his political life so far. But now things get really interesting for him because he has to navigate uh, the competitive grants process in a way that is transparent, that's legal. And you could have potentially some Solyndra-like 
scandals here with contractors as they dole out this money. And so I think that's why we're seeing the White House appoint sort of an infrastructure czar to oversee the disbursement of that money uh, and state DOT. So this is a, a big win for Buttigieg, but also potentially it's it's fraught with a lot of possible uh, slip ups and scandals. Laura, what does this mean politically for the president, for the White House at a time where they've really had a lot of bad news lately? Well, it's really important for them. Um, and especially if you think really going back to probably August, uh, you, you know, when you had the exit from Afghanistan, the president's polling and approval numbers slumped. Uh, this is the victory that the Democratic Party needs, and I, especially through the Biden administration as that trickles down in terms of how people evaluate the parties coming up to yeah. the primaries for the congressional midterm. I can't emphasize enough, uh, people don't pay attention to all the victories or all right. the losses. It's the sum and what sticks in their mind, but this is going to be an important one. And Abdul, quickly, Adam mentioned this money filtering down to the state level. Of course, you got Organization Day at the State House coming up Tuesday. It's a budget year, of course. This could enter into the state budget. This could all factor in. What are you expecting from lawmakers this coming session? Uh, a lot of talk about tax cuts uh, because Indiana, like the rest of the country, is a flush with cash. But the problem is uh, that cash won't be there forever. So you have to take that into account. And also look for a move to uh, make school board elections partisan here uh, in Indiana, which ironically the teachers unions will love because that way they can pick out who the Democrats are versus the Republicans. Okay, guys, thanks. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Stick around. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Abdul, I'll start with you. Uh, my winners are all the veterans uh, that we celebrated and marked uh, their service this week. Uh, and also a special shout out to my dad, my brother, and my lovely wife, who's also a veteran. Well said. Adam? Yeah, winner is Mike Schmuel, the Indiana Democratic Party chairman, who's uh, on a tour of 92 counties uh, of Indiana selling the message of the infrastructure victory. Loser is Mike Braun. He uh, faces possible criminal allegations here. We'll see how this shakes out. Uh, exactly. Laura? I have the same, actually, in terms of loser Mike Braun. Even if this these allegations aren't true, even if this doesn't really stick, um, certainly this is a blemish on his first political office and what could be otherwise potentially a long political career. In terms of winners, I agree with Abdul. Veterans Day is an important time for us to remember those who contributed and served our country. Thanking, thank you. Yeah, thanking our veterans this week, no doubt about it. Thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you again on next week's edition of In Focus.